We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're going to talk about the 10 biggest games, non-conference games in college football this season that could have the biggest impact on who plays for a national championship. This is going to be a little bit, this is going to be a little bit fun. When I looked at the schedule, there are, and and I I started looking at some of the top teams. You got a little discouraged, like, man, like Michigan doesn't play anybody out of conference. Georgia doesn't play anybody out of conference. And so, well, it's because the, this series was canceled and that series canceled, whatever the case may be, the schedules are not strong at a conference. And then you start studying other teams and you're like, man, there are actually some really good non-conference games. And there's one particular weekend that is going to have four games that we're going to talk about this in one weekend, which I'm very, very much looking forward to. And that's going to be a whole lot of fun. So here are 10 games, 10 non-conference games that could have a big impact on who plays for national title this season in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And we're going to go down through this sort of by uh, date. And, of course, there's always upsets that could happen. But I'm talking about two quality teams where a statement can be made either by a conference or a team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate – isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so let's start with this. The first game we're going to talk about is on August 31st. The Florida Gators head out to Salt Lake City to play Utah. This is a rematch of last year's game. And I think this is a big game. And you could also choose Utah's game the next week at Baylor. But I think this one is bigger. And here's why I think this is a big game. I don't know that either Utah or Florida have a chance to play for a national title this year. Matter of fact, if I was betting right now, I would say I don't think either of them are going to be playoff teams this year. But here's why I think this game is going to have an impact. When you look at Florida at Utah, this is more of a statement game for the Pac-12. And I have a couple other games that are going to be similar to this. Sometimes it's the game that's played not by your champion that can have an impact. And here's what I mean by this. When you look at Utah, for example, back-to-back Pac-12 champs, won it two years in a row, and you look at their schedule this season, they have some really tough non-conference teams, and and you you look at – actually, the the Pac-12 in general has some really tough non-conference games. But if a team like Utah is able to go out and beat Florida, who I think is going to be an okay team this year, not great, it's a statement game, kind of like when Georgia smacked Oregon last year. When Georgia beat Oregon the way they did last year, it put a black eye on the whole conference. Like it or not, it put a black eye on the whole conference. This is an opportunity for the for the, the Pac-12 to earn a big victory over a SEC East opponent to where if Utah wins the league at 12-1, and one, it gives them a resume that says we're a playoff team. If Utah doesn't win the Pac-12, it will then, you know, a little bit through the transitive property, will change the perception of the Pac-12 so that when USC or Oregon or Washington or Oregon State or whoever wins the Pac-12 beats Utah, you're going to say, that is impressive. Because here's what's been great and really cool about Utah's titles the last two years. They had to beat the next best team twice both years to win the title. They beat Oregon twice in 2021 and they beat USC twice last year, which is impressive. So now all of a sudden USC, let's say USC is the best team in the PAC 12. And let's just say hypothetically that USC loses to Notre Dame. And that's how they get to 12 and one, just for argument's sake. Cause we'll get to that game here in a little bit. If they beat Utah and they beat Oregon, they beat these teams and those teams have really good non-conference wins the perception of that USC win over Utah, if Utah can smack Florida, because it's not even just about beating Florida. If Florida's not a great team in the Pac-12, you can't just beat them. you got to smack them. Let's say Utah beats Florida convincingly, just for argument's sake. Now, all of a sudden, when a team in the Pac-12 beats Utah, that means a lot more nationally. Whoa! Utah jumped way up in the rankings after smacking Florida and beating Baylor in back-to-back games. They beat Weber State. Utah starts 3-0. They beat UCLA at home. 
They go on the road and beat Oregon State. They beat Cal at home. And all of a sudden, Utah is ranked ninth. And then they go to USC, who, who's going to be ranked high at the time, most likely. And I believe that is a week before USC plays Notre Dame. It is not correct. It's the week after they play Notre Dame. Let's say they lose to Notre Dame. USC is now ranked below Utah, who's undefeated. All of a sudden, USC beats Utah the week after losing to Notre Dame, and they get all their momentum back because Utah is undefeated. They smacked an SEC team, and they're ranked in the top 10. Let's say Utah beats USC and knocks USC out. USC's got two losses now. They're out. The next week, Oregon travels to Utah. They're going to have opportunity to be a highly ranked team. So either A, Utah earns another big win that builds their resume, or B, Oregon builds their resume by beating Utah. And then a couple weeks later, Utah goes out to Washington for a similar scenario. So that's why I think that Florida game is going to lay a foundation for the Big 12, the Pac-12, if they can win it. And if they lose, then that's a big statement win for the SEC. Not that they need any, but it it, it is. Because now you if they can if they can rack up the non-conference wins it's if you have a 12 and 1 runner up in the pack in the SEC or even an 11 and 2 runner up in the SEC and you're going up against a one or two loss pack 12 champ for a for a chance to get that fourth bid and you're number 2 in the SEC against a champion in the pack 12 or the big 12 and we'll get to that as well then all of a sudden you're going to have a better resume because all of a sudden your league went out of conference and handled its business the, the the inverse is true, right? The reverse is true. If the Big 12 and the Pac-12 can earn some big wins over the SEC and they'll have their chances, then all of a sudden you have opportunities to say, hey, we deserve that bid. Not only are we the champs, but our conference handled its business against the SEC. I think that's really big. Uh, and for the, for the Big 10 as well, we'll get into that a little bit also. So let's go to, that would be August 31st. Let's move forward to September the 3rd. I believe this is a Sunday. Let me pull this up real quick because I believe this is a Sunday Sunday game. And it is a game between, let me find it here, folks. Give me one second. If any of y'all ever use FBS schedules, it can be very annoying because they always give you these ads that pop up that slow down your attempt to look at schedules. So it is a Sunday game, Sunday, September 3rd. Camping World Stadium, Orlando, Florida, number seven LSU, this is preseason ranking, takes on number three Florida State. This is a huge game, one of the biggest games of the season in conference or out of conference. I am very much looking forward to this game. Obviously, there's the storylines, the rematch game. Obviously, Florida State beat LSU last year in New Orleans. This is a chance for them to kind of get a payback. It's a chance for for LSU to say, hey, we are legit contenders. But it's even more so true for Florida State. And then the byproduct of that is what would it say for the ACC if Florida State can win this game again? When you look at Florida State this year, you're talking about a team that had some really good wins last year, a team that went 10-3, and beat LSU, uh, beat Oklahoma in a bowl game. Oklahoma wasn't that good beat Florida in the end of the year, but I think they're still destroyed Miami, destroyed Syracuse, but I think there's still a lot for them to prove. This is also a team for all those big wins that lost at home to Wake Forest by 10, that lost on the road to NC State, and lost again to Clemson, 
a team that has been dominated by Clemson. I think what 2013, I think is the last time that Florida State beat uh, 2014 is the last time that Florida State beat Clemson. So this is a chance for them to say, hey, statement win, we are legit. Because everybody's hyping up LSU as a chance to go out and win a title. Right? And so uh, to me, uh, real quick, someone said lost. Florida State's overrated because they lost the only good teams on the schedule. So I uh, just found out that LSU wasn't very good last year. Good to know. Uh, but this is a huge opportunity for them because LSU is a preseason top 10 team. They are the reigning SEC West champs. They did beat Bama last year to make a statement win for for uh, Florida State. It's also a statement win for the for the ACC. And there's going to be a couple opportunities for the ACC to have those. You look at the, the first weekend as well. There's South Carolina versus North Carolina. Not one of my top 10 games, but when you look at it, it's just a chance for the ACC to go out and get some of those wins. The ACC last year had a golden opportunity in several games to go out there and get some big wins of the SEC, and they lost a bunch of them. Uh, really dropped the ball on that opportunity. They get another crack at it this year. This is one of those games. I think what this game also does is this game gives Florida State an opportunity to go out and say, hey, we are a team that is going to go out and be a playoff contender even if we drop a game. Here's what I mean. Florida State's schedule this year is pretty challenging, and I definitely respect the schedule. And games in September matter as much as they do other times. If you lose in September, it doesn't mean that it's not a good win. That's nonsense. Uh, the Florida State win over LSU last year was a very impressive win last year for a team that won 10 games. But they go out this year, if they can win that game, then three weeks later they play at Clemson. That's a tough game. Let's say Clemson gets that W in a competitive game. Then they go out, they beat Virginia Tech, they beat Syracuse, they beat Duke, they beat Wake Forest, they beat Pitt, they beat Miami, they beat North Alabama, they beat Florida. I don't expect any of those teams to be great. I think Miami might have a shot to be ranked. Pitt might have a shot to be ranked. Florida might have a shot to be ranked. Duke has a shot to be ranked. But I don't think all any of those are going to be statement wins. So if you lose to Clemson and you beat LSU – you're in a situation where you're still living off that LSU win, so you're going to be in striking distance for a playoff spot going into the ACC title game, most likely in a rematch against Clemson. If you're LSU, if you're Florida State, beating Clemson twice and LSU is going to be incredibly hard. So then you get into the whole, well, okay, what if you lose to LSU, beat Clemson, then you got to beat Clemson again. That's going to be hard. So if you're going to lose one of those two games, it's beat LSU, drop the game to Clemson, not drop it like you're going to lose it. But if you get beat by Clemson in a competitive game, you got a rematch coming against Clemson. And I always think that you want to be the team going in those matchups that lost earlier. Of course, Utah was the ex exception because they've done it twice in a row now where they've beat the team again. But I think this is a different situation because Clemson's not Oregon or USC. So Florida State, if they can beat LSU – can go one and one against Clemson, be 12 and one because all their other games are against teams I think they're better than. And all of a sudden, Florida State's a playoff team. If you lose to LSU, you're basically in single elimination mode. You've got to probably beat Clemson twice, including a game on the road. Neither of those games are being home. One's at Clemson, one's a neutral field. It's going to be really hard for Florida State to get over the hump. Now, could they be a better team and go 10 and two and you're improved and all? Yeah, certainly. But if they're going to take that jump that people think they're capable of, this is the kind of game they have to win. So that's going to be a big game, in my opinion. LSU at 
against Florida State in Orlando on September the 3rd. That's going to be a, a really fun game to watch. The next weekend is going to be one of the best weekends of college football, in my opinion. Here are the games that are being played that weekend, September the 9th. Obviously, Notre Dame is going to be playing that weekend, so we'll get a chance to see the Irish play that weekend. I believe September the 9th is the weekend that they are playing NC State on the road. That's not one of my 10 top games, but that's going to be a really good game. You've got Texas A&M at Miami, Alabama at Texas, Wisconsin at Washington State, and Oregon at Texas Tech. Those are going to all be important games. So we're going to go down all four of those. I'm going to talk about a couple of the others quickly because the first three I'm going to talk about real quickly because I think they're more conference games than anything else. Miami, Texas A&M at Miami. I think this is more about the ACC's attempt to prove that they belong. Hey, we're not the ACC of the past. This isn't Clemson and everybody else. This is Clemson's really good. Florida State's really good. North Carolina's really good because look what they did to South Carolina. Um, Miami's turning it around because they beat Texas A&M. They've got that win over the SEC. It's another opportunity for, for the ACC to get a win over the SEC, something they couldn't do a lot of last year. It's a statement opportunity for the ACC. That's what that game is. I think it's also for the SEC West a chance to say, hey, look, if 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 your middle-of-the-road teams are beating the other out-of-state conference or out-of-conference teams, then all of a sudden it says a lot about what the SEC West is. It confirms what people already think about it. Then you look at another game, Wisconsin with Washington State. Now, I know that some of you might not think this is a game that's worth, that is worthy of this conversation, but I'm going to look at it from two angles. The first angle I'm looking at it is, is sort of just briefly another Pac-12 opportunity to go out there and show that, hey, we're a really good league. Last year, and this really comes down to if Wisconsin is good as people think that they're going to be, and I have my doubts, I'm going to be honest, then this is a chance for Washington State to prove something. Because when Washington State beat Wisconsin last year, it was big at the time, but it kind of went away pretty quickly because we all quickly realized that their Wisconsin is just not very good. You know, two weeks later, they got destroyed by Ohio State. Then they got destroyed by Illinois. All of a sudden, they're a two and three team. They beat Northwestern, then they lose to a bad Michigan State team. All of a sudden, Wisconsin's three and four, and nobody cares about that Washington State win. If Wisconsin's going to be better this year, and a lot of people think they are, I, again, I have my doubts. I think that transition to the air raid is going to be a lot tougher than people think. And I'm not a Tanner Mordecai. I'm not a big Tanner Mordecai guy. But if they're right and I'm wrong, this is another chance for the Pac-12 to have a big win out of conference. And for Wisconsin, the other angle is this is a chance for Wisconsin to kind of do the same thing. Go on the road against a quality Washington State team. That was a very scrappy team last year, as we mentioned before. Uh, beat beat Wisconsin last year. Took USC down to the wire. Well, actually, I said down to the wire. Took Oregon down to the wire. They battled USC tough for about three quarters. They lost a really close game to, to Utah. They were a quality, quality team last year, in my opinion. And now you've got to go out and say, okay, we can kind of we can kind of get this win. So then when you look at uh, what it means for Wisconsin, they get that win. They get the Big Ten gets that win. 
You look at their first game, Buffalo. Their second game is Georgia Southern. Their next game is a Friday night game at Purdue. Now, that's not going to be an easy game, but Purdue's breaking in a lot of new players and a brand-new football coach. Then you have a bye week. Then you have Rutgers at home. And then now, all of a sudden, you're going to October 14th matchup against a really – what I think is going to be a really good Iowa team. That's an opportunity for great momentum for Wisconsin. Then they hit a three-game stretch of Iowa at home, at Illinois, home against Ohio State. Now, I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State. But if you can beat Washington State and then win, hold serve at home, that's all you got to do after that. If you beat Washington State, it's essentially hold serve at home because the next, I would argue, three best teams are going to play are Iowa, Ohio State, and Nebraska. They got all those teams at home. You've got a chance to now go out and claim a really early on that you can be one of the dominant teams in the, in the, uh, the Big Ten and you can give some respect to the Big Ten West. So I don't know that they can do it, but I think that game could have some big ramifications for those two teams. And I'm also just looking forward to seeing what this Wisconsin team is going to look like in year one under not so much Luke Fickle, but Paul Longo. I'm really – Phil Longo, excuse me. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Another game that weekend briefly talk about is Oregon at Texas Tech. And I'm not going to talk about this from the Oregon standpoint because Oregon's supposed to win this game. This is not a huge game for Oregon. But this is a big game, in my opinion, more so for the Pac-12, or excuse me, the Big 12, and then more importantly for Texas Tech, because I'll be honest, folks, I really like what Joey McGuire is doing at Texas Tech. He's recruiting well. His teams are tougher. They try to play defense. As he recruits better players, they're going to get better on defense. This is a team that is, to me, a, a, was a, a very competitive team last year. They weren't great last year. They went 8-5. and five. Lost to NC State, but they beat Texas. They beat West Virginia, beat Kansas, beat Iowa State, beat Oklahoma, smacked Ole Miss in a bowl game. They had a, a competitive loss to Oklahoma State, competitive loss to Kansas State, So and got blown out by Baylor. I like what they're doing. You know, 8-5 and five team last year. But more importantly, this is a team where you're kind of jockeying with the Pac-12 for if we're all going to assume – that a Big Ten team is going to be in the playoff. Uh, let's say one of the two ACC teams is going to be in the playoff, and then an SEC team is going to be in the playoff. You're now jockeying for position with the Pac-12 and a second Big Ten or a second SEC for a playoff spot. So the better your conference can do out of out of, your conference can do out of conference, the better. If a team like Texas Tech can go and beat a team like Oregon. All of a sudden, that gives a huge credence to your league, even if they just play Oregon tough. And let's say Oregon goes out and wins the Pac-12 and they go 12-1 and and Texas goes 12-1 and or Oklahoma or TCU or somebody in the Big 12 goes 12-1, and you've got a couple chances there for the perception of your league to be better than that league that's going to help you. And I think those games matter a lot more than people think. Those non-conference games that kind of establish our conference versus your conference. And so that's a game I'm going to look for. But here's the big game on September 9th. This is the big one. This is going to be, in my opinion, one of the most – I don't know if it's going to be one of the best games because you never know. But off-season-wise, one of the most intriguing games. And that's September 9th, Alabama at Texas. This is also the first game that we've – the second game that we've talked about that has direct national title implications for both teams. Alabama is a very interesting situation right now. They had a down year last year for them. There's a lot of people that would love to have an 11-2 and down year. 
like Alabama had last year, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that would say, hey, we had a down year in which we went 11-2, and two, lost by a point at LSU, lost by three points at Tennessee when our kicker misses a field goal. And we smack Kansas State in a bowl game, smack Auburn, smack Austin P, smack Mississippi State, smack Arkansas, smack ULM, smack Utah State, gritty win over Texas. Like that's that's a down year that a lot of teams would have taken. Notre Dame fans will take that in a heartbeat after losing to Marshall and Stanford last year. So we're going to find out a lot about these two teams. Nick Saban made some really risky hires this offseason for different reasons. Tommy Reese is a risky hire simply because he's a young coach. He's still just 31 years old. His offenses in Notre Dame were not great. There's a lot of reasons you can explain that away. Nick Saban saw something in Tommy Reese that he really likes, and he's bringing him in. Tommy's going to have a really good staff around him. Coach Reese is going to have a really good staff around him. But the combination of a young 31-year-old offensive, fiery offensive coordinator with a un- a, a, a unproven, a shaky, however you want to describe it, quarterback room coming off of a year in which you went 11 and two, that could, that could be interesting. Then you look at the defensive staff, whereas coach Reese is sort of a risky hire, a young, talented, unproven coach that you see something in. Then there's the other side with Kevin Steele, who I think is one of the most overrated defensive coordinators in all of football. I think he's a great recruiter. And I joked last year that that Mario Cristobal brought him and Charlie Strong in to recruit for a year before they went out and got a a real defensive coordinator. Recruited really well at Clemson. Recruited well in Auburn. Recruited well at Miami. I've never thought much of him as a defensive coordinator. And so Nick Saban's now turning the reins over to him, and I'm very curious how that's going to go. Very, very curious how that's going to go. Because if the defense, if Alabama's going to, be a championship team this year, in my opinion, it's going to look a lot more like an old school Alabama team. I really believe that, meaning really good on defense, really good running game. Because for all the talk about the uncertainty at quarterback, and it's very fair and it's legitimate, we sometimes maybe don't talk enough about the fact that Alabama has an unproven but very talented running back room. I'm someone that has argued, I don't really care about unproven running backs. If you're good, at running back, you're good. Experience doesn't matter a whole lot to me. Last year, Audric Estime had seven carries in his career, and they all came against, like, well, all but one came against Navy the year before. Georgia Tech, maybe. I forget. My Georgia Tech is who it came against. Very unproven player. But at running back, if you got the chops, you got the chops, right? Much more so than quarterback and offensive line and some other positions. Very young, but very talented running back room. We're returning one of the best tackles in football. I don't think their line is as talented as maybe some people make it out to be, but there are some really talented players. J.C. Latham, I think Tyler Booker is probably going to get a starting job this year. There's some talent there for them to work with, no question about it. But if Kevin Steele is not that guy, then I have some question marks about just how good Alabama is going to be this year. And when you look at Alabama's schedule, this game at Texas is going to tell us a lot about them. Because you're facing what should be a very good offensive football team, uh, uh, to me, a, a improving team from a talent standpoint in in Texas. You're going on the road, and it's a huge test. It's only the second game of the year for them, so whoever your starting quarterback is is going to be very unproven going into that game, and it, you've got a lot to prove. But it doesn't get any easier for Alabama coming out of that. 
two weeks later, they've got to go to they got they host Ole Miss. Week after that, they got to go to Mississippi State. Then they got to go to Texas A&M. Here's the reality about Texas A&M. Texas A&M hasn't been a very good team the last two years. They've given Alabama everything they can handle. They beat Alabama two years ago, and they were a late play away from beating Alabama last year, lost 24 to 20. Then they host Arkansas, who I think is going to be a, has a chance to be a quality team this year. Then they host Tennessee by week, host LSU at Kentucky, two weeks later play at Georgia. And then if they can somehow win the SEC West against that schedule, they got to go probably play Georgia in the SEC title game. You can't afford to lose to Texas. If you lose to Texas, you're now in single elimination mode. You've got to beat Ole Miss at Mississippi State, at A&M, Arkansas at home, Tennessee at home, LSU at home, at Kentucky, at Auburn, and you got to beat Georgia in the SEC title game if you want to be a playoff team. And so to me, this game is going to be huge for them in that regard. For Texas, this is an opportunity to show that, hey, we've arrived. We are back. Because there's always that thing, right? Like, oh, Texas is back, or Notre Dame is back, or whoever else is back. And you always have these conversations. And then you, you look at Texas, and you say, well, I don't know if they're back or not. They sure are talented. They 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 lost some guys on defense, but they bring a lot of players back. Offensively, their offensive line was very young last year. They're almost all back. I think they got four or five starters coming back on the offensive line. They got one of the best tight ends in college football in Jatavian Sanders. They've got Xavier Worthy coming back. They've got Jordan Whittington coming back. They've got some very talented young receivers. They got A.D. Mitchell from Georgia transferred in in this offseason. So there's a lot of talent at Texas on the skill positions. And yes, they lost uh, two running backs, actually, Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson last year. But they've got some very talented runners still there. And so defense should be better. I like Pete Kwiatkowski as a, as a coordinator. I liked what he did at Washington. Can he get that defense going? This is your chance. You're going to pay, face an Alabama offense that's learning a new, somewhat of a new system, not entirely, but it's going to have a different look, questionable quarterback. You're facing a great Alabama, potentially great Alabama defense. I am, I'm going to be either proven right about Kevin Steele or wrong about Kevin Steele in week two. And this is that game. If he is a better coach than I think he is, and he's going to have a plan with that talent against Texas that's going to allow them to keep him in check. We're going to learn a lot about Quinn Ewers, but if he's not, if, if Kevin Steele is who I think he is, Steve Sarkeesian is going to coach circles around him. And then it's up to Quinn Ewers to get the ball where it needs to get to. So I'm very much looking forward to this game. And if they can't beat Alabama at home, then you say, okay, well, what's the loss look like? If it's a competitive loss and they can go out and go 10 and two, nine and three, say, okay, Texas isn't back, but they're continuing to get better. Just give, give them more time, right? Uh, but if they can beat Alabama, not only does it kind of announce, hey, we're back, now you're in a great position to win 10-plus games next year if, if you're Texas, but you're also in a situation where if you can really thrive, they got Wyoming the next week at Baylor, Kansas at home, Oklahoma in Dallas, at Houston, home against BYU, home against Kansas State, at Tech TCU, at Iowa State, home against Texas Tech. That's a very if, – if you're good enough to beat Bama and your players step up, you're good enough to beat everybody else on your schedule. Let's say they slip up once. You're now in a position where you're going into the Big 12 title game with a shot at making the playoff. That's the momentum you need 
as a program, and that's the momentum you need on the recruiting trail as you get ready to go into the SEC in 2024. Hugely important. Hugely important for Texas in that situation. So Bama gets established, dom- contain, maintain dominance. Texas gets a chance to put itself on the map. That's what's at stake for those two games. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's fast forward two weeks later. Here's the here's where we start talking about Notre Dame a little bit. Notre Dame's going to have three games on the schedule. It's the second big game for Notre Dame, but the first big national game. I think that NC State game is going to be pretty important as well for Notre Dame to kind of show, hey, we're, we're a good football team. You know, look out for us. We've got turned a corner from Stanford and Marshall. We're, we're a pretty good football team. But this is your first chance to prove that, hey, we're a legit playoff team. There's still some big games you got to win, but this is your first chance to prove it. This is your chance to go out and say, hey, listen, we are – um, we are a team that that is going to – I'm sorry, This and, and I, I talked about the Texas-Alabama game being at Texas. It's actually at Alabama. I misspoke. It's at Alabama. It was at Texas last year. So good call on that, Tom Belork. It's at Alabama this year, which even raises the stakes even more because it's a potential road game. So for me, when you look at Notre Dame-Ohio State, what's at stake for Notre Dame? We Every Notre Dame fan knows this already, right? You have not proven – that you can beat the big dogs when the big dogs are at their best. You beat L- Clemson, but you did it with DJ Uyunglele twice. Not a great quarterback. He was a true freshman the first time. Was struggling last year. It, it is what it is. You, you, they're they're not they're not great teams. And then you look at what they did in Ohio State last couple times. I mean, they were competitive for three quarters, but at the end of the day, fourth quarter, it wasn't close. Ohio State completely outclassed in the fourth quarter of that game. You couldn't hang with him in, you know, for four quarters. You had your moments where you made it a competitive game in 2015. You were out a lot of players. At the end of the day, that was a way better Ohio State team. You go back to 05, you don't win that game. You lose back-to-back games in 95-96. Ohio State is just – they own you at this point in time. And in order for you to be considered a team that's a great national program, I've said this before, if you want to be a great national program, you have to first show that you're the best team in the Midwest. And right now, Michigan's the only team challenging Ohio State for that for that moniker. Notre Dame is not because Notre Dame has not been competitive against the Buckeyes in these type of moments. This is your chance to earn that big win. This is your chance to have that statement win. This is one of the biggest potential statement games of the season for anybody, not just Notre Dame. This is a huge game for them. You win this game, all of a sudden, you're a team that's got a chance to go out there and say, hey, We've arrived. It's like Stanford 2012 for Notre Dame. Stanford was a big dog at the time. Consensus top, you know, con- consistent top 10 team for those couple years with Andrew Luck. And then this, the, the 2012 team finished in the top 10 as well. They had smashed Notre Dame. They beat them in 09. They beat them in 10. They beat them in 11. You hadn't beaten them since 08. And you ain't able to get that big that big statement statement win. But even then, 
Stanford was not like Ohio State is now. It was a really good football team, but it wasn't the program, the established program from a perception standpoint that Ohio State is. So you you get a double double dose of positivity here for Notre Dame. You get the mental team building thing like that like what Oklahoma was in 2012 or excuse me what Stanford was in 2012. But you also get the big picture. We've arrived on the national stage type of win like they had in 1988 when they beat Miami and 93 when they beat Florida State. That's how big this game is for Notre Dame, in my opinion. In in it wouldn't have like if you'd have beat Georgia in 2017, it wouldn't have been that kind of statement win because Georgia wasn't then what they are now. We didn't know that Georgia's about to go on a really impressive run. So even even though it was a big game, it didn't have the same amount on the line that this game has. Notre Dame was coming off of a four and eight year. Georgia was eight and five. It was year two of Kirby. We didn't you know their starting quarterback had just gotten hurt against App State and in, in uh, Jacob Eason. You got this freshman kid starting named Jake Fromm. We didn't know what they were going to be. This is a statement win for Ohio State. This is a chance for a game that gives you sort of a little bit of breathing room. Obviously, if you lose this game, you're now in single elimination mode. This is a huge game for Ohio State. Ohio State goes into their fourth game, third, fourth game of the year. They open it at Indiana. Then they have Youngstown and Western Kentucky home. Game four, you go into a situation where if you lose this game, you are in single elimination, the, the, the single elimination world for the next two months. You play Michigan on November 25th. You play Notre Dame on September 23rd. You lose to Notre Dame, you're in single elimination mode for two months. And that includes a home game against Penn State at Wisconsin, at Michigan, and then the Big Ten Big Ten title game, if they can run the table. So it puts a lot of pressure on Ohio State to go out there and run the table and get that done if they lose to Notre Dame. If they beat Notre Dame, now all of a sudden, Ohio State has a sort of a game. You're playing a little bit with house money to a degree. Let's just say hypothetically that October 21st, Penn State, who has been given Ohio State fits, for years now, they haven't been able to beat Ohio State. It's like what 14, I think. No, 16, but nine of the last 10 Ohio State's won. Penn State finally knocks you off, or a week later, you lose at Wisconsin. If you you have two kind of bookend games, one in September, one in November, that gives you a lot of breathing room in between, and that is at Notre Dame and at Michigan. Or if you beat Notre Dame and then beat Penn State and beat Wisconsin you're in a very similar situation to they were this past season against Michigan, where if Michigan beats you and you're still 11 and 0, you've got a big win over Penn state, big win over Notre Dame, big win over Wisconsin. You can survive that loss and still have a chance to go out and either a play in the big 10 title game. Cause it's not a given that Michigan, even though their schedule's soft, it's not a given that Michigan will be a one loss team or a no loss team when they play that game. But you're also in a situation where even if you lose and you don't play in the Big Ten title game, you've got a shot, an outside shot, to still get in the playoff if some other teams lose. And that's exactly what happened to Ohio State this year. Tennessee goes out and gets beat down the stretch. Clemson goes out and gets beat down the stretch. USC goes out and gets beat down the stretch. And all of a sudden, Ohio State gets back backs into the playoff. And then when they backed in, as Ohio State showed last year, it doesn't matter how they get in. What matters is they get in. If they get in, they can play with anybody for the most part. The 2020 team, I don't I don't count that 2020 game against Bama the way that some people do. They were on game eight. Like, the, the conference did them no favors. 
Uh, Bama was Bama was a well-oiled machine. Ohio State they beat a, a mediocre Clemson team uh, that you know that that just didn't impress me really that year in 2020. Even with Trevor, they just they weren't as good as they were 19 or 18 or 16. But that this this team to me this most of the like you have the win over Clemson that year, which is good. You had the great game against the 2019 Clemson team, you know, which Ohio State went toe to toe with them. That was a really good Clemson team. If not for how great LSU was, probably one of if the if it wasn't for that elite LSU team, Clemson probably wins a third title in four years. That's how good that Clemson team was in nineteen, in my opinion. It's just there was a phenomenal, phenomenal LSU team. So if you back in, you've still got a chance to win a championship like we saw last year against Georgia. So huge for both of those teams, in my opinion. Huge for both of those teams. Let's go forward here. That's September 23rd. Let's move forward a couple more weeks and look at October 14th. This is a this is kind of a Notre Dame stretch here, folks, we're going to talk about. USC at Notre Dame. And then the reason we're talking about Notre Dame here is because most of these teams are playing all conference games at that point in time, except teams playing Notre Dame. October 14th, USC at Notre Dame. For Notre Dame, it's exactly what we said before. It's a chance for you to show that you're a, a playoff team. You, you got to hold serve at home, right? That's the thing for Notre Dame. You got to hold serve at home. It's a chance for them to kind of reestablish, okay, yes, last year was a big win for USC. They beat Notre Dame, beat us by 11. We didn't have Cam Hart. We didn't have Tariq Bracey. You know, we were playing our backup quarterback. All the excuses that Notre Dame fans want to use, uh, and some of them justify, but the fact is USC was better than you last year. Uh, but now it's a chance to say, okay, that was last year. This is this year. We've now leveled the playing field a little bit at quarterback. You know, We're a more veteran team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is your chance to prove that and build your playoff resume. We're going to talk a whole lot more about Notre Dame because it's a lot of the stuff that you proved against Ohio State if you're able to win that game. For USC, this is a chance for them to go on the road and earn a big ranked win. As long as Notre Dame doesn't get upset by NC State, Duke, or Louisville, which is possible, but as long as like their only loss is to Ohio State, this is still a chance to get a big win over a ranked team. And they're going to need that because I – Running the table in the Pac-12 this year is going to be a lot harder for USC than it was last year. Last year, USC was able to avoid Oregon, and they were able to avoid Washington. This year, it's a different story. They have to play Utah, as they always do, but they also have to play at Oregon, and they play Ohio, and they play Washington at home. So the start to their season is not super tough. They play San Jose State, Nevada, Stanford, bye week. At Arizona State, we'll see how that is. At Colorado, I don't think they're going to be very, very good. Home against Arizona. Their first big test is at Notre Dame. But that begins a stretch of five out of six games that is going to be rough. They play at Notre Dame. Then they play Utah at home. At Cal, which is the easy one, supposedly easy one. We'll see. I don't think Cal is going to be that good this year. It should be. I'm just saying it should be an easy one. Then you have Washington at home. And I can't wait to watch that offense against the USC defense and vice versa. That's going to be a high-scoring game most likely. Then they play at Oregon and home against US, UCLA. So if Washington, if USC is going to be able to survive a stubbing of a stubbing of their toe in the regular season like they did against Utah last year, they can't lose Notre Dame. If they lose to Notre, if they lose to Notre Dame, then they're like, like Ohio State, they're in single elimination mode. And being in single elimination mode – with games against Utah, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, and then a potential rematch against one of those four teams, that's going to be tough for USC. 
So for them, this is a big opportunity for them to say, hey, we've got a really brutal stretch, six-game stretch down the down the end of the season with no buy. USC's buy is after UCLA. So they have a buy on September 16th. Because remember, this is one of those two buy year years for teams that play in late August and week zero. And USC also plays in week zero, like Notre Dame does. But their second buy is at the end of the regular season. So they have a buy between UCLA and the Pac-12 title game. So you have a stretch of six straight games against Notre Dame, Utah, Cal, Washington, Oregon, UCLA. If you lose the first one of those, you got to think their national title chances are, are, are on life support. And that's what's at stake for them. Counter argument, if they win that game, they have a much improved resume for the playoff where they can now afford to maybe stub their toe and maybe still get in because whoever beats them in the regular season, they get a rematch against in the Pac-12 title game, and then it'll be tough to beat USC twice. I don't think USC is going to have a great defense this year, but I think it's going to be definitely better than it was last year. And that's all. they just need a defense that's okay with the with what I expect they're going to be on offense, and we'll see if they can get that done. So that'll be a very, very, very situ- interesting situation. Last game I'm going to talk about here, actually last two, Notre Dame at Clemson. Don't need to repeat a lot of things about Notre Dame, except that this is your chance that if you did stub your toe against UCLA, USC or Ohio State, as long as you're one and one, this is the kind of win that gives you a chance to kind of vault back up playing at Clemson. For Clemson, this is a chance to where one of two things is going to be true for Clemson this year in this game. Number one, Clemson's undefeated. So they beat Duke in the opener at Duke. They beat Florida State at home. They beat Miami on the road. They beat NC State on the road. They've got North Carolina coming up at home, Georgia Tech coming up at home, and at South Carolina. So if you are undefeated, this is your chance to really lay claim to a playoff berth. If you dropped a game, let's say they drop at Miami or NC State, Maybe they lose in September to Florida State. Let's say they do that. They lose to September to Florida State. You know you have a good chance of getting a rematch against Florida State. You can't lose to Notre Dame. If you lose to Notre Dame, you're done. If you beat Notre Dame, you can now get within striking distance of a playoff berth if you can keep winning and then go beat Florida State in the, in the ACC title game. So that's a huge game for Clemson. And it's a, for Notre Dame also, the unique aspect of this is that I, that I will add, Notre Dame and Clemson have played each other. They played each other in 15, 18, twice in 20, and then once last year. Clemson is currently two and th- three and two against Notre Dame. So Clemson won in 15 and 18 and then 20. However, Notre Dame has won two of the last three. They beat them in the regular season in 2020, lost in the SEC, ACC title game, but then beat Clemson again last year. The fact that a win at Clemson this year not only makes Notre Dame three and one against Clemson in the last four seasons, but when you look at the nature of last year's beating of Clemson, and it was a literally that a beating, now all of a sudden Notre Dame can say, hey, this is a team we had to pass. We've passed them. You go on the road and beat Clemson this year. You've now established dominance against that particular rivalry. You've taken a team that's won two titles in, in recent history, and you've now basically said, we're a better program than you. We've beat you three out of four times. You have not won a title in that stretch. So you're not saying, well, we've won a title. That's now outside that five-year window that we look at to say, like, you know, where you are right now. Notre Dame can say, hey, we've beat you twice, three out of four times. And and, and, and the only time you've beat us 
looking at it from Notre Dame standpoint is when you've had a generational quarterback. So yeah, of course you beat us with Deshaun Watson. Of course you beat us with Trevor Lawrence, but you've never beat us with anybody out there. Now that's a lame argument for now because you're two and three against them, but you go out there and beat them again after the way you pounded them last year. Now all of a sudden that argument holds a lot of water. If you lose to them, it's like you're two and two in the last four games. You're two and four overall. And Clemson says, we're still better than you. You could beat us here. You beat us there, but we're still a better program than you. So there's a lot at stake in that regard, too, on top of the national championship stuff. And then here's the last game we're going to talk about. Florida Florida State at Florida. This is going to be an interesting game because I don't think Florida is going to be that good this year. When I look at the Gators, I see a team. I think they're going to lose to Utah. They got to play Tennessee at Kentucky, at South Carolina. They got to play Georgia. Arkansas at LSU, their crossover games this year are not going to be easy. They've got to not only play Utah on the road, but they've got to play Arkansas and LSU in crossover games, and they have to play Florida State. They have a very tough schedule this season. I, I'll give Florida State, Florida credit. They have a very tough schedule this year. They they manned up. Not only they play Florida State, but they're playing Utah in a home and home. So they got to go on the road this year. Very challenging schedule. And the league did them no favors by giving them a crossover game at LSU. So I think Florida State's going Florida's going to be down a little bit. So why am I talking about this game? Well, as long as Flor- as long as Florida State at least goes one and one against LSU and Clemson, they're in a position where they're getting upset by Wake or Pitt on the road or Miami at home away from being a playoff team. They're just going to have to go to the ACC title game and win, and they're going to have a great shot to be in the playoff, unless unless you're overlooking the Gators. I could see Florida being a situation when I look at their schedule. Let's look at Florida's schedule. Let's just kind of run through a worst-case scenario for them. You lose to Utah. You beat McNeese State. You lose at home to Tennessee. You beat Charlotte. You lose at Kentucky. You beat Vanderbilt. You lose at South Carolina. You lose at Georgia. So you have a nice upset win over Arkansas. You lose at LSU. You have a nice bounce back and beat Missouri on the road. You're five and six. You flip one of those games. Okay, they they beat Kentucky or they beat Tennessee at home or South Carolina. One of those games. Now you're six and five. You're going to have to have some really big wins to be seven and four, eight and three. I just don't see Florida being that team. Not with Graham Merch at quarterback and some of the other issues they have. So when I look at that team, I just I just don't have a lot of faith that Florida has a good enough roster right now to run that gauntlet and be anything better than seven and four. I think that's the best case scenario. Maybe Florida state overlooks them a little bit. This could be a game where you just, the ACC has a chance to just say, Hey, we're a legit conference. Clemson beat South Carolina, North Carolina beat South Carolina, Utah beat Florida. You've had a lot of good out of conference wins. And then you go stub your toe against Florida and you're in trouble. That's the reality of it. So that's why this game concerns me. It's not that it's two teams. It's a rivalry game. It's not two teams that I think are playoff contenders. It's that game. If you're if you're Florida State, you say you can't overlook it. Now, again, it's a rivalry game, so you'd think that they wouldn't overlook it. But you, I've seen worse. I've seen Alabama overlook Auburn before and, and, and get stubbed their toe, right? We've seen that. You just got to have to make sure. So those are those are the 10 games for me, folks. I'd love to hear from you in the comments below, whether you're get, leaving them live or if you're listening later to check it out. I'd love to hear your thoughts. What non-conference games am I missing that are that are games that could have an out 
that can have an impact on who's playing for a championship or just games that you're looking forward to seeing. I know one game that I'm looking forward to seeing, I think it's in week one, is North Carolina, South Carolina. I'm really curious to see what that North Carolina offense is going to look like without Phil Longo. How's Drake May going to be in year two? That's going to be a really good game. There's Notre Dame, NC State is going to be a big game. There's some really Penn State at West Virginia or West Virginia at Penn State. It's a game that I'm curious to see. So there's some really good games. Colorado TCU is one that people mentioned. I just don't care about that game. I I think it'll be intriguing, but it's not going to impact college football championship because I just don't think that Colorado is going to be very good this year. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, I'll be watching what Coach Sanders does this year at Colorado for sure. But so I'm very curious to see what they're going to look like, Andrew. I agree with you on that. I, I want to see what they're going to do, but it's not going to be an impact game. But it can also, if you want to leave a comment, maybe it's a game that's not an impact game, but it's just one you're really looking forward to seeing. Let me know in the comment section. Definitely let me know what you think of it. And also, folks, do me a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. If you're listening via podcast platform, please please give us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate that.